0: I'm Kim Grenells of Dogman.com with Chris Fetters, Scott Hecklin, and Luke Munger, and uh, it'll be interesting where Chris actually starts this recording because before I started talking was the good stuff. But um, anyway, it's,
1: it's just like a commercial break at the uh, KJR. KJR.
0: Jeez, um, what is this practice number nine? Yes, practice number nine. And uh, defense stood out. New deal with Adidas. We'll talk about. And uh, I don't think any of us were expecting to talk to Coach Pete today, so kind of a surprise appearance. By Coach Pete Everybody was just kind of You know They come out and say Coach Pete's waiting for you We're getting Coach Pete today Well in hindsight I think it was Maybe because of the deal But Maybe not
1: Again We're not Our practices Now Friday We can't We're not covering Saturday we're not covering So this is Wednesday We're not actually Going to see the team again Until Monday so And then we won't be able to talk to Pete until Saturday. So it makes sense, to be honest.
0: And, and he had a few good things to say. Yeah, no, it was interesting talking to him about the uh, new apparel deal and uh, some of the feedback. He didn't really give us a whole lot, but uh, he said he's definitely hearing some feedback from uh, players and recruits. And if you take a look on our front page, there's a story uh, with Brandon Huffman and uh, Blair Agulo where they actually talked to quite a few of the recruits and potential recruits about their uh, you know feelings on the apparel deal, so all of that's out there.
2: Aren't a lot of like the the training programs and seven on sevens? Adidas sponsored, you know, like Ford Sports, sports Performance, different. and it's yeah. kind of even. So but I th- well, Ford Sports is probably
1: the biggest name here, yeah. And SoCal I know has a lot of AAU presence for Adidas, mm-hmm. but I don't know, like up here, as far as like AAU, it's been Ground- mostly Nike.
3: Yeah, Ground Force well. is the big one down south. That's a Nike mm-hmm. school. Or Nike. Is it Air A, or Nike? Or no, they are well, I don't think they're sponsored by anybody mm. at this point. So. yeah
0: and you know with um, you know shoe companies basketball if you take a look at the Louisville deal uh, basketball is what sells a lot of sneakers uh, football not as much so basketball is a lot bigger deal but when you take a look at this um, adidas deal um, a lot of our subscribers are probably older than uh, most but when you start talking to the younger kids uh, they like adidas when you start talking about the Millennials and younger adidas is really big over in Europe and they're real big Uh, with the soccer crowd and a lot of the millennials are a lot more into soccer and that's where a lot of adidas marketing dollars have been spent but when you talk to you know the high school kids junior high school kids and those coming up and you know my son's a millennial techie guy and he's he's telling me that a lot of that younger generation is more gravitating towards adidas and then he says you old farts are the ones who like nike because you've always worn nike so um, i think it's interesting luke you know you're a student up at uw what are you hearing
2: yeah, I think I've heard pretty torn either way. I think Adidas is definitely, I feel, in the last couple of years, amongst younger crowds kind of made a strong push. What Adidas really does well uh, that I don't think will matter a ton for, or I don't know how much it will matter for a deal like this, is they do like a lot of non-athletic stuff. Adidas makes really nice non-athletic apparel. Uh, so I think, but it's definitely like, it's kind of. I feel like it's the swankier of the two. It's a little more, like, hip uh, and new, I think. So for that reason, I think a lot of people are excited about it. I think a lot of fans are excited to buy non-athletic apparel from Adidas because I think that it has the possibility of being pretty cool. But a lot of Nike loyalists are pretty not happy as well. So I'd say there's, there's a pretty even split. But uh, I think when it, like, when it comes down to it, most of the people look at the fact that Nike,
3: I mean, Adidas is paying Washington $11.9 million a year. It's fine. The other, fine re- the other reason <laughs> why the older crowd doesn't want uh, Nike to be here is because of their affiliation with Oregon. And mm-hmm. that's why a, a lot of Washington fans have been jonesing to get off of the Nike brand and onto something else. And, and um, you know, I, I honestly... I, my preference is Nike. I'm 47, so I, my preference is Nike. But, you know, it, it's a better deal for Washington. For sure. And if, as long as it's a better deal for Washington,
1: I don't really care. The numbers don't lie. No. And, and the way I saw both the contract for Oregon and the contract for Washington once it's signed, both of those contracts <laughs> are going to end in 2029, In that period, Oregon's going to get $88 million. Washington's going to get $119 million. That pretty
0: much tells you all you need to know from the financials. I think there's more than that in the contract. When we get the details, we'll find out, but I think there's actually more to it than that. And, you know, rumor has it that Nike wasn't willing to go over and above what they were paying Oregon. And we've been talking about this for quite some time. When you take a look at Nike's presence in the conference you know Washington was clearly going to be you know priority wise they were going to be behind USC Oregon and Stanford they would be fourth in the priority list for uh, the school and that's shown in a lot of different ways you know we've heard of some struggles just on order to get things done that they weren't able to do but Jen Cohen has talked quite a bit and I've talked to her quite a bit about this about how Adidas is going to be a partner with them they're going to be a priority and they're going to do more than just you know, provide the clothing. They're going to be heavily involved in the marketing. They're going to be heavily active with the students. They're going to have the pop up trucks. For example, you know, when Isaiah Thomas's jersey got retired, you know, they would have uh, you know trucks out there, pop ups, and just immediately be able to sell those jerseys. They would have the apparel ready to sell, and they can do that for football. So they're going to be a lot quicker reactive, uh, reacting. I think they're going to be a better partner, and they're going to be able to get things turned around. And I think the fan experience with them is going to be better as well
1: well also they're based in portland the north american right Atlas based in portland so they've got immediate access they're three hours away they can come up they can demo stuff you know washington can get sneak peeks on on all the new stuff that's coming out so it makes a lot of sense but you know for those of us that know jen cohen very well over the years do you think she's going to want to be the fourth Dog at the at the bowl, or do you think she wants to be the first dog at the bowl? I, I think that pretty much tells you everything you know about how she feels about this deal
0: I, I got to be careful because I, I don't want to defy confidence of anything but what I had heard was that Nike a lot of the time was referencing let's show you what we did for Oregon you know and i'm I'm yeah, thinking that doesn't I, that doesn't fly I'm thinking. They're dealing with Todd Turner again, yeah. <laughs> you know. So, yeah. um, you know, it's just Washington was going. I, they just weren't getting the cooperation. And and from what I've heard, if things even would have been remotely close, Washington probably would have gone with Nike. But they weren't. And what we were hearing with Nike, well, it's not that much of a difference. Well, if it wasn't that much of a difference, step up. And they weren't willing to do that. And if they're not willing to do that, what's your relationship for the next? 10 years going to be like.
1: Yeah, and I also think the timing of this deal is really, really good because if you look at Under Armour's deal with UCLA, which blows every college deal out of the water right now, you're talking 15 years for $280 million. And there's a reason why they're getting out of the shoe contract business here. I mean,
3: because of that contract.
1: Yeah. No, I mean it, it's a crazy ass contract. But it was originally it was going to be either Adidas or Nike and this was an opportunity for Adidas to stamp their brand on the West Coast market. Because right now the only other market they have right now is Arizona State and that Contract is paltry. It's like an eight-year deal, less than thirty-four million a year. So you're jumping up from like four and a half million dollars a year to all of a sudden almost twelve. Um, you know, this deal is just gargantuan in many respects. But I think the timing of it was huge.
0: Well, I think it's more than just the University of Washington. I think a lot of this has to do with the city of Seattle, the young people that live here, the tech community. You've got the Seahawks. You're going to have a hockey team in here, and there's a lot of sports fans in addition to the golfers. And you know, with their apparels that they do uh for tailor-made they're still making the uh, apparel for tailor-made even though they sold tailor-made but i think there's a lot more that goes into it than just university of washington this is just such a vibrant community up here it's a boomtown economic wise i think not only is it a good deal for university of washington but i think it's a really smart move by adidas
1: well, yeah, like I said, they they wanted to stamp their imprint, and there's only a handful of schools out there that are Adidas schools. You mentioned Louisville; I think Miami was one of the ones that was was the first school to sign a life. Nike contract back in the was it, late '80s, yes. and, and now all of a sudden they're an Adidas school. So Adidas is starting to kind of Nebraska is another one. Yeah, Nebraska to it also. Uh, I think Wisconsin may be too, but yeah. if I remember correctly, the deal, the Washington, the new Washington deal is actually going to be bigger than even the Nebraska deal, yeah.
0: so it does tell you about
1: some of those other factors.
0: One more thing, and you brought it up yesterday on KJR, one of the biggest sports performance clinics up here, Tracy Ford, uh, you know, he's running a great program up here with all of the high school players and all of the pro guys, and he is... Sponsored by. He's, he's living the three stripe
1: life. There's yeah. no question about it. He's talking about him every chance he gets. So um, this is obviously you know he's well, one of their biggest fans. Clearly, well, what was funny was you know UW was trying to. Ha-
3: I don't want to say they were having a clandestine meeting with uh, Adidas, but they happened to be on campus down at Adidas the same day that Tracy Ford and his guys were down there. Yeah. And then Tracy Ford tweets out that UW was down there with them. So. Well, and
1: you also see the gigantic yeah. sneaker in purple and gold, yeah. and, you know, which, of course, I'm sure would ruffle the feathers, literally, of, of all the Oregon fans that happen to work at Adidas in Portland. So,
0: Your takeaway on Coach Peterson's answers to those questions?
1: Well, I, I mean, he, was, he definitely had deference towards the Nike people that he knows, because he's built up a lot of relationships with Nike over the years. And part of his contract, he gets paid a portion by Nike? Oh, probably. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure that's the case. I mean, he's, I'm sure he's had relations with them going all the way back to when he was a coach at Oregon. So... Um, he was deferential towards them, but at the same time, he said, when you look at the parameters of the deal and you look at how it's going to affect uh, our athletic department and all the things that they're going to not only be able to do for us as a football program, but to do for everybody, and you look at it from Jen Cohen's point of view, it's an absolute no-brainer, and he he seemed very excited about the potential for what they're going to be able to do. But at the same time, when we're asking about, you know, are you going to have input on uniforms or are you going to – he just was like, I, I'm more worried about winning games. I don't worry about all that stuff. I'm sure we'll look great, but that's not my focus. And he, I asked him, you know, you know was there any wow moments? Was there anything that really impressed him in any of the, you know, the presentations or anything else? That he, he said he has not talked to one Adidas guy. He has not been involved in any of it. So take that for what you will.
0: Yeah, and the big thing is this contract will allow the athletic department to positive cash flow starting in 2020, which is huge.
1: Yeah, well, they're, they're projecting a positive cash flow this year, but it's close. And, and they, they want to have a little bit more cushion, obviously, every year. And there's no doubt that with the Pac-12 Networks contract and the Pac-12 and all that stuff going down, 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 less subscriptions all the time, they needed to pick it up in other revenue streams, and, and this contract is going to be a huge boost to that. Isn't it 5.5 in cash? Yes. 5.4 it's in... Almost five, it's about five eight, five nine 5.9 in apparel. In apparel, and
3: then 1.1 in advertising. Advertising, marketing,
1: yeah. yeah. So I think that goes to the, the, the pop-up trucks. That's a really exciting thing, to be honest with you, Kim, because... Spring football, it's too bad. They won't even be able to do it for spring football next year because obviously this doesn't come into effect until July 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 1st. 1st. So they won't even be able to do it next year. But think of maybe a (sighs) pop-up truck for spring football in 2020. And some of the things that they can do with that, that would
0: be really cool. Well, like when they had the throwback um, uniforms, you know, back to the 60s. you could; ha- Those guys would be out there selling those jerseys out there, and you wouldn't have to go through the team store, you know. So it's just a lot of cool stuff. So, But uh, we need to get uh, on to uh, spring football. Uh, kind of a chilly day uh, a little overcast a little bit of dampness but uh, not a lot but I would say the day was pretty much dominated by the defense I don't know if it was set up that way but a uh, big day for the defense
1: yeah there was a, a couple sessions where they had kind of clock management things where they were you know late they needed to score a touchdown and the offense wasn't able to do that. Uh, the highlight of the day I thought was was um, Keith Taylor. With his pick, uh, was it off of Jake Haner Yes. But it was a it was a pick where the ball literally went through. I think it was Jordan Chin's hands, yeah. and it literally just landed right in stride. As he was in stride, going right towards the end mm-hmm. zone, and uh, it was a really pretty play. So, and then Chris Peterson signaled out Keith Taylor. Uh, he was asked about him and just talked about he was one of those guys that brings effort and energy and a mindset every day that he loves and. Chris Peterson said it wasn't a great practice for them, probably the worst practice
0: energy-wise that they've had, but he's one of those guys that really stands out. Getting back to Keith Taylor last year, uh, Byron Murphy was the guy. What's the trophy they have? Uh, best hands in the best room? Best hands, yeah. Best and uh, Byron Murphy's got that trophy on his uh, mantle and uh, – uh, Sidney Jones had it the year before, and it's up for grabs right now, and Keith Taylor is in the lead right now. Yeah, he's, for, with a, he's most got five, and, and
3: Elijah Molden has
0: four. So
1: those guys are kind of battling it out right now. I was going to say, if I was going to handicap it, I think Molden's probably a good shot, but mm-hmm. Keith Taylor's going to make him work for it.
0: He's playing really well. He was mm-hmm. a guy that a lot of people forgot about when Keith Taylor actually committed. Was he the first one of that class? Yes, he was. He was. He committed, committed on, on Christmas, Christmas Eve. Eve. Yeah, yeah. So real early that commit.
3: Real? That was fun trying to get a hold of the on Christmas Eve.
0: <laughs> but uh, he's, I mean, with uh, Jordan Miller and Austin Joyner on the sidelines and watching the way Alex Molden and Keith Taylor are playing, Elijah. Elijah Molden, watching the way they, way they play, I'd be a little nervous if I was those two guys. Well,
2: then you think, and then you see Elijah Molden obviously take this for what it's worth, which probably isn't a lot right now, but he was mixing in with the ones uh, in the nickel spot. And then obviously Miles Bryant was getting the other reps at that first nickel spot. Miles Bryant started every single game last year at nickel, and now Elijah Molden uh, has earned his way into some reps with that first team. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, there was a, it was an interesting when they went into extra DBs. You know, there were formations where they had – shoot, they Six had DBs. Keith Taylor. Yeah, they had Keith Taylor and Elijah Molden. Taylor Rapp, Jojo, Miles Bryant, Byron Murphy. Byron Murphy. They had all those guys out there rolling around. So yeah, it's uh, it's kind of an embarrassment of riches, and then when they get those two guys back, it's gonna be even better. And then we're not even talking about the true freshmen coming in mm-hmm. who are supremely talented too. So it just it just keeps going for Jimmy Lake.
0: And one of the guys I think that, you know, maybe we gloss over a little bit because the expectations are so high and he you know, he's got the accolades, but Taylor Rapp's had a hell of a camp.
1: No, he's had a really, really, really solid camp. There's no doubt about it. He's kind of – I would almost equate him to be the Miles Gaskin of the defense in terms of he's, he's just getting his work in. He comes in with the mindset. He, he, he does everything the right way. He's trying to get better every day. But, you, you know, he's just kind of getting his work done. And you don't you, – you know, our focus, Kim, obviously, is trying to see how those younger guys are coming up because we're almost to the point now where we take guys like Taylor Rapp for granted, but he's still just a true junior. He's still just like a – you know, a third-year really guy, only a sophomore. Yeah. He's really only
3: a sophomore grade. You know, that being in college for two years. So, I mean, it's pretty
0: amazing the, the strides he's made. Yeah. And I think Taylor Rapp also leads the team in accidental hits. Oops.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> when, when you when you literally have your back to someone and then they fall into you, I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah.
2: Well, speaking of accidental hits, there is a play where. Hunter Bryant made a pretty incredible one-handed grab and hauled it in, and then he was getting towards the sideline, and then it looked like Miles Miles yeah. Bryant tried to get in front of him, and Hunter Bryant just obliterated it. Yeah, it was, was, kind, of was an incredible incredible. kind of an oopsie
3: obliteration. Yeah, it was sure. kind of like, oh, hey, how are you doing? And that <laughs> was a nice one-handed grab, though. <laughs> oh, I, was,
0: oh, no, hey. was pretty. The accidental hits are kind of funny because they try to make it look like an accident, but you know they're just snickering underneath their well, breath. Well, ever
1: since, ever, since, ever since Peterson had them run gassers for, for not being able to stay upright, you can tell they're 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 very conscious of it. There's no doubt about it in my mind.
0: Oops, yeah, I I, I crack up when it happens. You know, Jordan Chin's been the recipient of it uh, more often than not. But I think the defense has just been. You know, I thought the Jalen Johnson. We were talking about this, Scott, mm-hmm. where. Um, you know, Tony Tupou, you know, hadn't really done that much. But when he was a senior, he turned in going from the boy mm-hmm. to the man and really stepped up. And, boy, I'm not saying that uh, Jalen Johnson hasn't done much, but, man, has he stepped up.
3: Yeah, he has. Um, I think he had to do it today because Greg Gaines uh, limped off with a leg injury today. Um, so that's something that we're going to have to keep an eye on. And, and Greg Gaines is the leader of that group up front. But, um, you know, Jalen Johnson it filled in uh, nicely. He and Levi Almuzerike, uh, I thought, looked really good as a tackle tandem together today. And, uh, you know, he's a, the nice thing about uh, Jalen is he can play almost anywhere along the line. He can play D-end, he can play a 5, a 3, or a 0 technique. So he's he's a special guy for Washington right now, and it's a good thing that they're able to keep
0: him for that that. Uh, fifth season. You yeah. had your eye on Shane Bowman quite a bit Well
1: today. I talked to Shane I, I didn't talk to Shane but I talked to Kaka Malloy and Akaka mentioned Shane as a standout guy and, and Chris Peterson even mentioned him as a guy that brings that mindset and that attitude that he really enjoys watching and he says you can see it in the individual, you can see it in the team periods you can see the guys that are taking it seriously and he mentioned Shane Bowman as one of those guys um, I think Jared Pulu is another guy that's made a step up. He's clearly gotten bigger, faster, stronger oh, in this offseason. Yeah. He's, you know, what was he gained? Maybe 15, 17 pounds at yeah. least. Um, so he's another guy to watch for sure so when you when you talked about a guy like Atani Tumbo making a senior year kind of splash to me that's Shane Bowman that's a guy that I think needs to make uh, his presence felt in that way and and you started to even see a little bit of the brothers kind of you know getting together and kind of playing games and stuff when you've got Shane inside and Ryan Bowman on the outside uh, I think that's been fun to watch too
0: yeah over on the other side of the ball boy you know with all the live stuff that was going on it just seemed like Jake Keener and Jake Browning got 99% of the reps today uh, I wouldn't say
3: 99% but they got a lot because toward the end uh, sermon and um, Yankoff's got got uh, quite a few reps and they didn't make the most of them <laughs> they didn't Colson Yankoff couldn't even get a pass off at that you know he, he was really struggling. I don't know if it's he's struggling to find somebody or if the offensive line is really struggling because it's so patchwork they've got they've got walk-ons in there and everything like that so tough to say but uh, he he really struggled today to even get the ball out of his hands, and then uh, Jacob Sermon had, was picked on a tip pass uh, by Miles Bryant um, as well. So um, you know uh, those two uh, had, had uh, good days. I thought um, Hainer and Browning each had their moments. I thought Hainer probably looked the better of the two today. He had a touchdown pass to Jordan Chin, who I think continues to have a really good camp. Um, Jordan Shin made uh, – granted, he had the ball go through his hands, and it was a pick six by Keith Taylor. But, man, he made at least four or five really solid grabs today. Yeah.
1: I would also say, too, that – I don't know, it was mostly the second team because it was mostly with Hayner. But I thought the running back that stood out today, in my mind, getting the most in the team periods was Kamari Pleasant. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I thought Kamari Pleasant did a nice job inside. Um, he's showing some move. And, again, because, yeah, they're in pads and everything, but because they're not in tackle mode – you can't really see how much yardage he's gonna get inside there. But uh, he's doing that one cut and go thing, a lot like Levon Coleman, kind of playing starting to play behind his pads a little bit, and it's showing. I mean he had more he had two or three runs where he wasn't even touched until he was at least five to seven yards down the field. And part of that, obviously, was because he got some good initial blocking, but then he really made that count once he was able to get to that next level.
0: You've got uh, Miles Gaskin and then uh, Savon Ahmed, you know, 1A, 1B. Uh, who's the next guy off the bench? Is it Sean McGrew or is it Kamari Pleasant? I don't, I don't think we know. I don't think the Husky coaches know quite yet.
1: Yeah, I think, to be honest with you, if, you know, if you're Keith Bonafide, I think it really is situational. You know, because with McGrew, you get basically kind of the same back as you would get with a Miles uh, Miles Gaskin or a um, uh, Savon Ahmed, in terms of smaller, quicker more speed, more kind of a true running back, whereas Pleasant is more your all-around guy, but he's being asked to do a little bit more in the LeVon Coleman mode. So if you need a little bit bigger back, if you need maybe that next guy in for pass protection, for instance, because he was able to come in and do a couple pass pro reps that I thought were really good as well. Um, So, again, I think it really comes down to situation. But you do have those three backs. I'm not saying they're going to be as productive, as Miles Gaskin, but with Savon Ahmed and Sean McGrew, you have similar backs, similar styles, but Kamari Pleasant is that one that offers the change-up.
0: Yeah, you know, and when you talk about him being kind of the changeup guy, um, I'd like to see him a little bit bigger. What is he, about 205?
1: He's about 205, 207 right now, but he gains, what, almost 10 pounds, I think, in the off-season? Yeah. yeah. Or from You're the right, beginning like of the season? or 16. Yeah, I mean. from the beginning of the season, so... You know they're trying to get him there, and you know we'll see we'll see if he ever gets to Levon Coleman's size. But again, I think they just they just need to make sure that they have a guy in there that uh, can offer up a little bit of pass pro. And again, that's part of the reason why I think, in my opinion, they moved uh, Justice Warren over there as well.
0: You mentioned yesterday, you know, you used the word scary, and I think it was correct because the kicking game right now is scary, Chris.
1: Well when they now I'll give I'll give them props that they stepped up and they were able to to rebound a little bit on their uh, on their second kicks but the first kicks between Peyton Henry and Van Soderberg when they were first asked to come out at the very end of practice cuz they the kicks were actually literally the end of practice today which sometimes you don't really see but they finished it off and it was you know I don't know if they didn't really set up a super stressful environment for them but they're about 35 36 yard kicks and the first two kicks from Henry and, and Soderbergh were abysmal. I mean, they were awful. And they stepped up, and they were able to make the rest of their kicks. So good good on them. I mean, that's – but bottom line is when you come in cold and you've got to kick a field goal, that's your job. you got to be able to do it. You can't say, oh, sorry, I needed a warm-up,
0: and then go. How comfortable are you on a 35-yard kick from any of those guys right now? Peyton Henry, comfortable. Uh, the ball flies off of his foot. Is it me or is Soderbergh looked like his approach is slow? He looks like he's taking an extra step or two. He just looks like he's slow in getting it off. Well,
1: Monday Monday, he got both his kicks blocked. Was that because, so,
0: was that because of pass rush? Because the one he got blocked today was just – I mean, it was just low. It
1: wasn't It wasn't even
0: blocked. It yeah, didn't look blocked. It was a
1: bad hold. I think it was a bad hold. Well, it was a bad the, snap and a hold. Well, I don't know about the snap, but the hold – they yeah. were looking at the ground as soon as it happened, right? Yeah. So it was really weird because Ray Porter's always been very solid, uh-huh. at least in spring and fall camps, handling that. And he's mm-hmm. and right now he's handling both the right and the left footed kicker. So it's just kind of one of those. Okay, yeah. which way do you need me to go? Um, I,
3: still, I still like Peyton Henry right now. Um, you know, could they be better there? Sure, but I mean, for where it is and what what we're looking at, he's the guy. And and I. I I feel more comfortable with him than anybody else.
0: I was talking to Coach Baird on the way a l- little bit, and some of you older guys might remember this, but uh, back in the day they were really struggling with the punting game, and uh, Baird actually went up on fraternity row and found a punter in Hamid, Hamid – we call him Hamid Shankshar, Hamid Sharshar, and they had that guy uh, kicking. And I was thinking, how did that meeting go? I'm just going to go up on a fraternity row, and I'm going to find myself a punter. <laughs> you know, so. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. Yeah, was but, good. yeah, but you can just imagine you know, the, the meeting you know, where they had to go up the frat row to get a punter. You well,
1: know? The, the irony is is that the punters today were off the charts amazing, I thought. Yeah. I mean, Ray Porter had three kicks of 50 yards each. Um, you know, Joel Whitford had his three kicks were minimum 40 to 45, kind of those knucklers, which are always going to be really tough to catch. And Byron Murphy actually missed one. Or didn't miss one, but he fumbled one. So uh, they kind of got on him a little bit for that. But it looks like right now the punting is in really good shape. Uh, and the, right now it's Aaron Fuller, Byron Murphy that are uh, the main punt returners right now Now that Chico McClatcher is, is not available.
0: Yeah, no um – no uh, coverage for practice on uh, Friday. It's closed or Saturday. Or Saturday, it's closed. So, this clinic. yeah, a lot of coaches, a lot of high school coaches here. So, expect more to come into town. And uh, Jay Keeps also here, who's working quite a bit with Jacob Eason before Jacob got here. So, uh, Jay Keeps was here. Randy Hart was here as well. Anybody else you saw?
1: Yeah, Nathan uh, Nathaniel Colepo was here as well.
0: The commit from Rainier Beach. And where's he going to school next year, Scott?
1: Uh, still up in the air. Yeah. <laughs> Stay th- Where
3: do
0: I think he's going? Uh, don't say it. Yeah. S- stay tuned on that one. But uh, anything else we got to go over, guys?
1: No, I just think that again, Chris Peterson really underscored the fact that it's a uh, it was it was not the energy and the and the mindset that he was looking for today. Um, again, day nine of spring ball. People hate to hear the the idea of being in the dog days in April. This is you know that apparently that that phrase applies only in the summertime, but. I think right now, as far as those guys, the, the football team right now is they're they're trying to hit they're trying to get through that wall a little bit, mm-hmm. and this is kind of where you know some of the guys are stepping up, and whether we talk about a Jake Browning as a leader or Miles Gaskin as one of those guys that always is very consistent what they do, or if we see a Keith Taylor, for instance, starting to step up or a Shane Bowman trying to step up, there are guys that are starting to slowly make some moves, and I think it's going to be interesting to see uh, coming back on Monday who really uh, starts to show that they've made the most of this spring.
0: Intern Luke, tell people again. Remind them what classes you're taking this quarter.
1: Uh, I'm taking
2: entrepreneurial finance, um, uh, management 300, which I think is organizational behavior,
0: and
2: and then English 381, which is advanced expository writing. Because I'm I an advanced even, writer. I don't even
0: know what that means. <laughs> so me. It's a
2: podcasting class, which is interesting.
0: Uh, final a real-life
2: po- application of my learning right here.
0: <laughs> that's the football crunch. Yeah,
2: it is. <laughs> Everything. I have so many applications, I guess.
0: Yeah, i applicator. Any thoughts on practice today,
2: uh, I think the last thing that I just want to hit is I think, <laughs> I think Alex Cook had a pretty good practice. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure that I got his name in there. And then otherwise, uh, nothing really else to add. Uh, I guess Coach Peterson wasn't super impressed with the energy, uh, and it, it, it's hard to string together consecutive practices. Uh, but I didn't feel it was particularly low energy. So I think it's just uh, indicative of kind of the high standard that they have here at the University of Washington, and that's the way that it should be.
0: So One that's quick cool. question. Do you learn more in the classes or your experiences of dogman.com and the life lessons you're learning from Kim, Scott, and Chris? I <laughs>
2: think the life lessons are the valuable ones. <laughs> Let's say that. Stay away from
0: Scott. Scott final thoughts from practice.
3: Uh, I've already told Luke I'm taking him on a on no, a crawl. Yeah. No, anyway, not. uh so um you know as far as the practice I thought it was uh you know it, the defense dominated but the offense had their moments, uh moved the ball pretty well a couple times as well. Um overall typical ninth, you know, middle end of of spring ball and and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what what, what uh, gets going next
0: week. Well, uh, final thoughts is uh, we haven't had a real warm day yet, so looking forward to having what one of those. Having one, looking forward to one of those. And just uh, kind of a shout-out to the guys that are here. Um, you know, Chris Fetter, Scott and Luke Munger have been killing it all fall. You know, so spring. if you have friends that are true Husky football fans, they want to know what's going on. Yeah, spring ball. If they want to know what's going on. Tell them to check out dogman.com. Also, just a reminder, our newsletter, if you want those daily updates in your inbox, uh, shoot us a note. Uh, Stadium at com, subject line newsletter, and we'll get those out to you. Uh, Just a few more practices. Next Saturday is the spring event and uh, once football is over, spring ball is over, um, then we start focusing on a lot of recruiting, a lot of evaluation, coaches out on the road, so we'll be doing a a lot of that and then the months of June and July are typically slow and then we start getting that buzz because we're going to be starting in August.
3: And real quick, there's going to, I expect at least 10 big time recruits on campus this weekend. Um, I'll have a
1: of Bandis, su- su-
3: yeah, yeah, he's one. Um, I know Jude Wolf, the tight end from St. John Bosco, will be here. Um, Nick, uh, Nick Charbonnet, the run- running back from um, uh, Zach Charbonnet, or Zach Charbonnet, sorry, mm-hmm. from um, Oaks Christian, will be here. There's a lot of big time guys that'll be up on campus uh, this coming weekend, and so um, we're, we're gonna, I'm gonna, I've been compiling a list. I'm trying to put it together. Should have a blog ish kind of uh, post about it um on either thursday or friday and then uh hopefully have some follow-up reports after they get up for their visits
0: give a listen to coach pete it was interesting his talk about the new adidas contract it was interesting his answers about the early um, visit period in april make sure you listen to that as well as his uh, comments on practice i thought elijah molden had some really interesting things to say about his dad sitting in on meetings in the nfl type defense really interesting stuff to listen to elijah molden as well so uh, from all of us at dogman.com i'm kim Grenolds with chris fetter scott ecklin luke Munger. go dogs